Chapter Four of the Wanderer, or Female Difficulties. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wanderer, or Female Difficulties, by Fanny Burney. Chapter Four. The good understanding with which the eagerness of curiosity on one side, and the subjection of caution on the other, made the travellers begin their journey, was of too frail a nature to be of long endurance. Tis only what is natural that flows without some stimulus. What is facetious, prospers but while freshly supplied with such materials as gave it existence. Mrs. Ireton, when she found that neither questions, insinuations, nor petty artifices to surprise confessions, succeeded in drawing any forth, cast off a character of softness that so little paid the violence which its assumption did her humour, while the stranger, fatigued by finding that not one particle of benevolence was mixed with the avidity for amusement which had given her a place in the chaise, ceased all efforts to please, and bestowed no further attentions, than such as were indispensably due to the mistress of the vehicle in which she travelled. At a little distance from Rochester, the chaise broke down. No one was hurt, but Mrs. Ireton deemed the mere alarm an evil of the first magnitude, remarking that this event might have brought on her death, and remarking it with the resentment of one who had never yet considered herself as amenable to the payment of that general, though dread debt to nature. She sent on a man and horse for another carriage, and was forced to accept the arm of the stranger, to support her till it arrived but so deeply was she impressed with her own ideas of the hardships that she endured, that she put up at the first inn, went to bed, sent for an apothecary, and held it to be an indispensable tribute to the delicacy of her constitution, to take it for granted that she could not be removed for some days, without the most imminent hazard to her life. Having now no other resource, she hung for comfort, as well as for assistance, upon her fellow-traveller, to whom she gave the interesting post of being the repository of all her complaints, whether against nature, for constructing her frame with such exquisite daintiness, or against fate, for its total insensibility to the tenderness which that frame required. And though, from recently quitting objects of sorrow, and scenes of woe, in the dreadful apparel of awful reality, the incognita had no superfluous pity in store for the distresses of offended self-importance. She yet felt relief from experiencing milder usage, and spared no assiduity that might purchase its continuance. It was some days before Mrs. Ireton thought that she might venture to travel, without appearing too robust. And, in this period, one only circumstance called forth, with any acrimony, the ill-humour of her disposition. This was a manifest alteration in the complexion of her attendant, which, from a regular and equally dark hue, appeared, on the second morning, to be smeared and streaked, and, on the third, to be of a dusky white. This failed not to produce sundry inquisitive comments, but they never succeeded in obtaining any explanatory replies. When, however, on the fourth day, the shutters of the chamber, which, to give it a more sickly character, had hitherto been closed, 
were suffered to admit the sunbeams of a cheerful winter's morning. Mrs. Ireton was directed, by their rays, to a full and marvellous view, of a skin changed from a tint nearly black, to the brightest, whitest, and most dazzling fairness. The band upon the forehead and the patch upon the cheek were all that remained of the original appearance. The first stare at this unexpected metamorphosis was of unmingled amazement, but it was soon succeeded by an expression of something between mockery and anger, evinced without ceremony or reserve by the following speech. "'Upon my word, ma'am, you are a very complete figure, beyond what I could have conjectured. I own that. I can't but own that. I was quite too stupid to surmise so miraculous a change. And pray, ma'am, if I may take the liberty to inquire, who are you?' The stranger looked down. "'Nay, I ought not to ask, I confess. It's very delicate, I own, very rude, I acknowledge. But I should imagine it can hardly be the first time you have been so good as to pardon a little rudeness. I don't know I may be mistaken, to be sure, but I should imagine so.' The incognita now raised her eyes. A sense of ill-treatment seemed to endue her with courage. But her displeasure, which, though not uttered, was not disguised, no sooner reached the observation of Mrs. Ireton, than she conceived it to be an insolence to justify redoubling her own. "'You are affronted, I hope, ma'am. Nay, you have reason enough, I acknowledge. I can't but acknowledge that. To see me impressed with so little awe by your wonderful powers. For twas but an hour or two since that you were the blackest, dirtiest, raggedest wretch I ever beheld. And now you are turned into an amazing beauty.' Your cheeks are all bedaubed with rouge, and you are quite a belle. And wondering, I suppose, that I don't beseech you to sit on the sofa by my side. And, to be sure, it's very ill-bred of me, I can't deny that. Only, as it is one of the rudenesses that I conceive you to have had the goodness to submit to before, I hope you'll forgive it. The young woman begged leave to retire, till she should be called for the journey. Oh, what, you have some other metamorphosis to prepare, perhaps. Those bandages and patches are to be converted into something else. And pray, if it will not be too great a liberty to inquire, what are they to exhibit, the order of Maria Theresa, or of the Empress of all the Russias? If I did not fear being impertinent, I should be tempted to ask how many coats of white and red you are obliged to lay on, before you could cover over all that black. The stranger, offended and tired, without deigning to make any answer, walked back to the chamber which she had just quitted. The astonished Mrs. Ireton was in speechless rage at this unbidden retreat, yet anger was so inherently a part of her composition, that the sight she saw with the most lively sensation was whatever authorized its vent. She speedily, therefore, dispatched a messenger to say that she was taken dangerously ill and to desire that the young woman would return. The incognita, helpless for seeking any more genial mode of travelling, obeyed the call, but had scarcely entered the apartment when Mrs. Ireton, staring, and forgetting her new illness, exclaimed in a powerful voice, "'Why, what has become of your black patch?' The young woman, hastily putting her hand to her cheek, blushed extremely, while she answered, "'Bless me, it must have dropped off. I will run and look for it.' 
Mrs. Ireton peremptorily forbade her to move, and staring at her with a mixture of curiosity and harshness, ordered her to draw away her hand. She resisted for some time, but, overpowered by authoritative commands, was reduced at length to submit, and Mrs. Ireton then perceived that neither wound, scar, nor injury of any sort had occasioned the patch to have been worn. The excess of her surprise at this discovery led her to apprehend some serious imposition. She fearfully, therefore, rose to ring the bell, still fixing her eyes upon the face of the young woman, who, in her confusion, accidentally touching the bandage which crossed her forehead, displaced it, and showed that feature, also, as free from any cause for having been bound up, as the cheek. It was now rather consternation than amazement with which Mrs. Ireton was seized, till the augmenting disorder and increasing colour of her new attendant changed all fear of any trick into personal pique at having been duped, and she protested that if such beggar stratagems were played upon her any more, she would turn over the impostor to the master of the inn. The paleness of terror with which this menace overspread the complexion of the stranger forced a certain, however unwilling conviction, upon the mind of Mrs. Ireton that Rouge, at least, was not amongst the artifices of which she had to complain. But, though relieved from her own alarm, by the alarm which she inspired, she was rather irritated than appeased in finding something less to detect, and scoffingly perusing her face. "'You are a surprising person, indeed,' she cried, "'as surprising a person as ever I had the honour to see. So you had disfigured yourself in that horrid manner only to extort money from us upon false pretences. Very ingenious, indeed. Mighty ingenious, I confess.' Why, that new skin must have cost you more than your new gown. Pray, which did you get the best bargain?" The stranger did not dare risk any sort of reply. "'Oh, you don't choose to tell me. But how could I be so indiscreet as to ask such a thing? Will it be impertinent, too, if I inquire whether you always travel with that collection of bandages and patches, and of black and white outsides, or whether you sometimes change them for wooden legs and broken arms?' Not a word of answer was returned. "'So you won't tell me that neither. Nay, you are in the right I own. What business is it of mine to confine your genius to only one or two methods of maiming or defacing yourself? As if you did not find it more amusing to be one day lame, and another blind, and to-day it should seem dumb. The round must be entertaining enough. Pray, do you make it methodically, or just as the humour strikes you?' A fixed silence still resisted all attack. "'Oh, I am diving too deeply into the secrets of your trade, am I? Nay, I ought to be contented, I own, with the specimens with which I have already been indulged. You have not been niggardly in varying them. You have been bruised and beaten, and dirty and clean, and ragged and whole, and wounded and healed, and a European and a Creole, in less than a week.' I suppose next you will dwindle into a dwarf, and then perhaps find some surprising contrivance to shoot up into a giantess. There is nothing that can be too much to expect from so great an adept in metamorphoses. The pleasure of giving vent to spleen, disguised from Mrs. Ireton, that by rendering its malignancy so obvious, she blunted its effect. She continued, therefore, 
her interrogatories a considerable time, before she discovered that the stillness with which they were heard was produced by resolution, not awe. Almost intolerably offended, when a suspicion of this truth occurred, she assumed a tone yet more imperious. "'So I am not worth an answer. You hold it beneath you to waste your breath upon me. And do you know whom it is you dare treat in this manner? Do you imagine that I am a fellow-adventurer?" The hand of the young woman was now upon the lock of the door, but there, trembling, it stopped, withheld by a thousand terrors from following its first impulse, and the entrance of a waiter, with information that a chaise was at the door, interrupted any further discourse. The journey was resumed and the rest of the way was only rendered supportable to the stranger, from the prospect that its conclusion would terminate all intercourse with one who, so wilfully and so wantonly, seemed to revel in her powers of mockery and derision. End of chapter 4 Recording by Roxana Nazari